0: I'm glad you're all here and thank you for getting a little more friendly this morning. If you didn't quite make it to the middle today, you're slightly going to be less blessed than the rest of them. I'm going <laughs> to preach right here. So sorry folks, uh, right here because they they were a bit, no, you all did good, thank you. It's good sometimes when um when there's a few hours that we can come and kind of get close and be the family of God. Now I don't know if... uh. All of you realized it, probably some of you did, some of you probably could care less, but yesterday uh, was April Fool's Day, you pull some good pranks on people, some are like, I don't care that it was April Fool's Day, well my oldest sure cared it It was April Fool's Day, Peyton started out the day uh, with telling us that April Fool's was his third favorite holiday of all the holidays, and I had to tell him, not really a holiday, but okay, and so he decided he was going to pull pranks on his brother all day long, Uh, and so you wouldn't be surprised when our evening ended in tears and yelling and pushing and early to bed. Yeah, that's that is how it ended last night because brother took it a little too seriously, pranking his brother, little brother, all day long. I have no idea where that boy gets that from. I just, well, y'all know me a little too well, don't you? Yeah, he comes by pretty naturally because I'm, I'm always looking for a good trick or a prank. I, I'm think always thinking of something funny. It was making me think this morning, though. There is something I do occasionally. It's only when a certain occasion arises that I, a little trick that I play. It's kind of funny for me. And I don't know if it's funny for the other person that this happens. But occasionally, I find myself in the perfect situation to have a little fun. Every now and again, I will, you know, be in a situation where I've met somebody new, and they don't know anything about me. They don't know I'm a pastor or a minister. They just, you know, just barely met me, and I'm having a conversation with them, and. This pers- other person will start talking and saying things that, well, let's just put it, are less than holy. You get me, right? I mean, they'll start talking. They don't know who I am, and they're just kind of, a lot of stuff's coming out. I remember back, especially back in the days when I was a volunteer fireman, and I'd go meet one of the other new guys for the first time, and they had no idea who I was. And they'd be talking, all kinds of stuff. And I, when this would happen, I'd always wait for the moment that I knew it's was coming, when these guys in the middle of their vulgarity and language and stories they were telling all this stuff and they would say and what do you do and I'd look at it and say I'm a pastor <laughs> man it would get quiet fast right it was like oh and I, then I would say well, you don't have to answer to me you got to answer to God you know so I'm, you know I would have a little bit of fun with them but you know it's kind of always they didn't know who I was something kind of similar like that happened actually a few months ago I was going to get my hair cut now when I go get a haircut it's like my 20 minutes of being calm. I don't like to have a lot of conversation sitting there in the barber chair. I want 20 minutes of, you know, not really having to do anything and just be quiet and calm. But I always end up getting the lady who's got to talk 90 miles an hour and tell me all kinds of stories. It happens every time when I'm just trying to have a 20-minute quiet period. Well, I remember one time, not too far back, there was a lady cutting my hair. She had never cut my hair before, so she introduced herself. I mean, I sat down in that chair, and she starts going. I mean, just talking... She never took a breath, I don't think. I mean, she was a talker. And I don't know how the conversation got to it, but at some point, she started talking about churches. And it went something like this. She was just talking so fast. She was going, well, I remember where I grew up. My grandma used to always take me to church. And, you know, she was just going. She was starting to tell me about her grandma's church that she went to. And and she liked it. She liked singing the songs. And she liked vacation Bible school. But then she got older, and she stopped going to church. And she was doing this. and, And then she was telling me, she goes, I got, I moved here and I don't know, I've thought about getting back into a church and I don't know if there's any good churches around here and maybe I've heard about this and all that stuff. She goes, but i tell you where I won't go, any one of those Baptist churches. They're crazy. I'm dead serious. She says this. She goes, a friend of mine, a girlfriend of mine, she went to a Baptist church and she wore sandals and they said something bad to her and those Baptist people, they just judge you and they just... And yeah, I'm, I'm, she is all going off on Baptists. And then she even goes, and really, with those Southern Baptists, they're the worst. I kid you not. I kid you not. And, she's just go, and she just goes, and and you on know in the church, they just act like they're so good, but I know what they do when they're outside of church. I mean, she's... And then about this time, I'm praying to God, don't let her ask the question. Don't let her ask the question. Don't let her ask the question. You know, and then it comes. Like, I guess her mouth gets tired of flapping, you know, and she just says, so what do you do if we're living? I'm like, I work on the railroad. You know, I'm like... No, I mean, God said, you know, don't be ashamed. I said, man, I, I looked at her and I said real proudly, I'm a pastor of a local Southern Baptist <laughs> church. Uh, that was a really quiet haircut the rest of the way. I kept pulling long hairs out, you know, over the next couple of weeks. I don't think she'd get, I'm, I tell you, what, I actually invited her to church afterwards and gave her my business card. She's not shown up yet, by the way. Uh, but, you know, one of those, hmm. I tell that because... Um, not because I like playing little tricks on people, but that attitude, that kind of thought about, and not always about Baptist churches, but kind of churches in general, about what the people are like, I hear that stuff all the time. And again, especially before they know who I am. Sometimes they know i pastor, they won't say anything bad about the church, but I've had those conversations before with people, and I've heard it so many times from people saying, well, you know, I grew up in church, or I was around church. You know, we live in a place where there's so few people Who've never been exposed to church? I mean, almost almost everybody has walked into a church at some point or another, or at least heard the message Jesus Christ. We're not living in a fully unreached people group who don't know what Jesus, who Jesus was and is. I mean, they've heard it. Most people you encounter probably been into a church at one pl- time in their life, but I'll talk to a lot of people who are not following Christ in action. At least they may say I'm a Christian, but it's in name only. And I, I mean, a lot of people who, they want nothing to do with church. And one of the comments I hear most of the time, I think above all else, from people who are in that kind of situation, say, I don't want to be in church, or I used to go, but I don't now, is some kind of comment about hypocrisy in the church. Now, that's not a good excuse to stay away from church. I mean, coming to church or not going to church is not, shouldn't be about the people that are there. You shouldn't show up because your best friends are there. And you shouldn't stay away because there's people who have done bad things in church. Every church has people that sin. I mean, we're living examples of that, right? That's, so the people inside the church is not why we come to church. We come because of God. We come to worship God. And we come to grow in God. But a lot of people don't see it that way. I hear story after story of, well, I was in the church and I was treated this way. Or my family was treated this way. We were uh, the, the comment of we were judged is something I hear a lot. And they' always followed up with, but I, I've seen how those people act, and I, I've heard them talk about, I see how those people fight. Oh, I saw this person out at you know, this place that they shouldn't have been in. I hear those things. Whether it's a valid excuse or not, there's a handful of people, a large number of people who won't go into a church today, who won't enjoy the blessings of the body of Christ, whether it's Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, non-denominational, I don't care what, they won't go into the church because of what they feel is the hypocrisy that's there. That we say one thing and we do another. That we judge those on the outside of the church way before ever looking inwardly. Well, I'm sorry that a lot of people feel that way. But if we're going to stop this morning, we're going to be the church, and we're going to talk about how to be a healthy family so it can be a growing family, we have to consider these things. We have to take a moment, stop, and go, do they have anything valid in what they're saying? Is there any reasons we have given them to say, look at those hypocrites, look at those judges? So this morning as we get into our passage, as we continue on through the study of 1 Corinthians, we're going to be dealing with this. We're going to be dealing with handling hypocrisy. We're going to be dealing with a time that Paul addressed the church about a situation. I'm look at the situation in just a moment. They dealt with a situation where the church was unwilling to address the situation on the inside. And what it was doing, it was hurting them on the outside. It was killing their testimony and their witness with other people because they were refusing to handle a very obvious sinful situation inside the church. Now I'm going to give you a bit of warning before we turn to the scripture this morning. We've kind of we been in 1 uh, Corinthians now for just about four months. We've been working through this, and we're going to spend time going through 1 Corinthians. I was excited when we started the study of 1 Corinthians. There's so much just awesome uh, truth in this and some great passages to study. But I honestly was a little nervous too because I knew there are some passages that are pretty raw, if I could put it like that. That they deal with some sensitive issues. Um, Paul, who's writing this, you know, he doesn't hold his punches. He he addresses the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so, starting this morning, and actually in the next couple chapters we'll look at, we're going to be dealing with some of those really ugly things that's going on in the church. Now, hopefully as we look at it this morning, We see some of these passages. Not everything that they were dealing with, not the specific situations that they were doing is something that we're necessarily going through. Especially this morning, we're going to look at kind of an uncommon thing that they were dealing with. But it's what the church's attitude was about it that's the problem that we need to look at. It's the hypocrisy that was happening in the church that day. So we're going to turn this morning over again. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're doing the whole chapter. It's just 13 verses. We're going to go through 1 through 13 and see this situation that Paul addresses there in that church. It's an ugly, ugly situation. Look at this with me, will you? And starting in verse 1, it says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Look at this, it's so sad. Verse 3 says, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread, leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But I am now writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Now I'm going to tell you, this is a passage that It's not preached on too often. It's a tough passage uh, from a lot of angles. Um, I've been praying through this one this week and this morning. I've had to present this to us and talk about this in a real impactful way. But it's got some tough things for us. Now, let's talk about the literal situation that's going on there. I want to bring this up, but that's actually not going to be our focus. What's the sin that is being addressed here? It's the sin of incest of an individual. Somebody in the church... A person in the church who's at least claiming to be a brother in Christ. Or sleeping with his, his stepmother, his father's wife. I told you there's some ugly stuff going on inside that church. Now, this morning's message is not a sermon about incest. I, I'm really hoping I don't have to preach that sermon. I mean, I don't want to know that that's happening I don't think that it is. And in fact, that's really not the big issue that's going on here. He's reporting this specific issue. There's the issue of the individual, but there's the greater issue of how the church is handling it. And the reason I'm not going to focus necessarily on that, the incest that one man is doing is because you can apply many things, many different sins, many different grievances and put in the exact same situation. What's happening now is that a man is deep in sin. And I want you to understand, it's unrepented sin. This is somebody who is openly doing a sinful thing. And Paul's saying, it's not just sinful in the name of God. Not even the pagans, not even the people who have nothing to do with Jesus Christ say this is okay. Everybody knows this is wrong. And the man is doing it. We don't know, we don't have evidence that the church go to him and say, stop, we don't think they did because Paul addresses their attitude. But the man is open. I mean, it's saying Paul, who's all this distance away, he knows about it. He's being talked about so much, it came to me that there's this man in the church who's doing these kind of things. Now, I want to make a difference here. Everybody sins. There's not one of us here this morning who can claim that we haven't done something that's sin. In fact, I mean, you, you saw the list of some of the things that Paul said we're watching out for the greedy, the sexual immorality, the drunkenness, and the idolatry. Talk about that. I mean, we sin. There's not one of us here who gets to claim without sin. But there's a difference between struggling with sin knowing what sin is and going before God and asking for that forgiveness. And even if we struggle time and time again, but we're striving to understand that we were supposed to put those old things off and seek a new life with Christ, there's a difference between that kind of attitude and the attitude of just saying, well, I'm going to do it. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't think it's wrong. I'm happy whatever this sin is. had no desire for repentance friends actually that's a sign of somebody who doesn't know the truth of the salvation of Jesus Christ one of the marks of your life and mind, if you are saved is that when you sin when you do wrong you know it that's the Holy Spirit in us who is a convictor scripture tells us that when I sin when I mess up when I fall short it hit me right here I'm not standing up and saying, look, I'm so happy about my sin. You can't tell me what to do. The fact that there is pain over a sin, that there is a desire to, I want to stop doing that, speaks to that God is in my heart. But if I would have an attitude of, I'm going to sin and you can't tell me to stop. I know everybody says it's wrong, but I know the Bible says it's wrong, but I don't think it's wrong in my heart. I don't care, I'm going to keep doing it. If there's a lack of conviction, if you don't ever see a person going, I know I'm, okay, I've struggled, I've fallen again, I've messed up again, but you're, they're saying, I don't care, I'm just going to live this way. That is a just dead giveaway sign that they've never truly accepted Jesus Christ. So here you've got this poser inside the church. In fact, even Paul says, you want to deal handle very carefully these people who claim to be the brothers or sisters inside the congregation. And so this guy, so he's doing this terrible, ugly, ugly thing. He's not repented of it all. He's doing that, the thing that even the pagans say you shouldn't do that. But he's just all out. I don't care. I don't care who knows about it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it publicly fine. I'm all right. And that's sad enough. I hate to know that there was somebody in that church doing that. But what's worse, folks, and what's really, well, I mean, not worse. That was pretty bad. But what we need to understand What I want us to look at is the heart and the attitude of the church in this situation. What was their attitude towards this man who was doing this terrible thing? Paul said, you are proud. He said, this guy's doing all this stuff, and you, church, you're proud. It doesn't mean the church is walking around going, yeah, yeah, we got a guy in our church who does that. You know, like, hey, we're a cool church because we allow this to happen. That's not the kind of pride he's talking about. It's the pride that we've been preaching about Going as we're going through the passages, this pride of, I'm saved, so it doesn't really matter what I do. Like the, the Christian retirement plan we talked about a couple weeks back, this idea that I've got Jesus, I'm going to heaven, uh, let's not rock the boat, we're good, let's not deal with any situation, let's, we're fine. It's all handled. The pride, the pride in the heart that says, I don't need to handle this situation. They're proud. Um, This past week, this past Thursday, some of us in here actually saw an example of this. Um, I I was telling you, we were going to, uh, on Thursday night, this past Thursday night, we had an event that I promoted for several weeks. David Ruman from Israel came and spoke. And I told you all forehand, very clear, this is a Jewish man Who's not a believer in Jesus? He's heard about Jesus. He's all this stuff, but he he's giving his perspective of Israel, and we kind of all went into it. No, another. I saw maybe a half dozen of you guys there Thursday evening, and it was interesting. We heard, we learned about some of the terrorism that's happening there, the effects on the children, all these kind of things. But as expected, which I knew would happen, he he was asked about what do you think about Jesus, and that's fine. You should be able to go to ask somebody, what do you think? You know, what do you think about Jesus? What do you? What have you done with them? It's okay to ask somebody like that. Not a problem at all. And his response was very interesting. This is a person, again, he knows about Jesus. He knows a lot of the New Testament. He's been in tons of churches. He's heard the message before. He's been preached to before. He knows who Jesus is. And his response was this. Eh, it'll all work out. If Jesus is the Messiah, eh, great. We'll all be worshiping Jesus. If somebody else is the Messiah, we'll be worshiping that. That's what it was. And I'm going to tell you, friends, having gone to Israel, having met a lot of other Jewish people over there, that's a very common attitude. Eh, yeah, it'll be okay. God loves me. It'll all work out. I don't need to really get in a fuss over it. Whatever God decides to do, that's it. And to tr- tell you the truth, that is a form of pride, friends. That's a form of pride right there. That God would never allow something bad to happen if I don't do His will. And He gave us the Messiah. And He pointed all the signs to it so we could receive Him and said, You got this chance, you have this opportunity, you have this life to deal with Jesus Christ. It's not a, hey, let's see how it works out kind of a situation. That is a prideful heart. And it saddened me. And friends, that's not the only time I've seen that. That is a common, common idea. It'll be okay. I'm talking about just people from Israel, Jews. I'm talking about uh, people from America, from where we live. You know, a lot of people won't go to church today because they have that attitude. Nah, it'll work out. I'm good enough. God wouldn't let anything bad happen to me. He'll just, he'll just take care of that salvation thing. If they're only say, if there's heaven, I'm sure I get to be there. A loving God, there would never be hell. A uh, loving God, He would never do any of those other things. It's all, it'll all be good. That's a pride attitude and what Paul is saying this church is saying you kind of got the same attitude you got this pride that says eh what's the big deal who cares we're saved uh, you know we're in the church and you know that's, I'm not the one doing that sin that's that guy let him do what he wants to do they're prideful that's sad friend. That that is what is so sad to me I mean I hate the fact that this guy in that church was doing those ugly things but that the church had this attitude of nah what are you going to do we're saved. It doesn't really matter. It's all right. We're taken care of. That is a heartbreak, friends. That is so sad. What Paul tells them what their attitude should have been. What do you think their attitude should have been? If it was just your guess, maybe you picked up on it in the passage. If you're, but if you were just gonna guess, what do you think their attitude should have been? Just righteous anger, you know this, you know super judgmental. Also, no. Paul says the attitude should have been. In fact, right there in verse two, it says, "Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning?" Shouldn't you have rather been grieving over that this was existing inside your fellowship? Shouldn't it have saddened you that somebody inside the church who'd come in and heard the message of Jesus and been living inside that church as, as part of the body of Christ would do such a thing? Shouldn't it sadden you? And yet you are proud. You're taking the attitude of all, who cares? Their heart should have been... That you're, it makes you sad that this is what's going on. It's kind of like I was telling you as we started about the boys kind of got in trouble last night because they were tired, they wore each other out, and they fought, and so they got the talking to, and they got lost some privileges, and they can't. Some of the things were taken away for a few days, and they got upset, all this stuff. And I try to talk to you before bedtime because we didn't want to go to bed with them just still, you know, thinking mom and dad just hate them or something. We want to talk and understand what you've done wrong. And I try to get my boys to understand something my parents try to tell me, probably something your parents try to tell you at some point, was this hurts me too. Yeah, my, I'm not having privileges taken away, but I am saddened that, one, you were doing these things, and two, it's costing you something. And, you know, you probably remember as a kid not quite understanding a parent say that you've got to kind of be a parent to get it. But this idea of, I don't like that this is going on. I don't like that you're doing wrong. I don't like that it's costing you. It's hurting. I don't like that. I'm not getting pleasure out of punishing you. I'm not getting pleasure of having to come down on you. I really hate it. And Paul is saying that's the attitude of the Christian. That is what's supposed to be in the church. It's supposed to be like the loving parent whose heart is broken when we see somebody around us who is struggling, who is sinning, especially when they're being unrepentant. And friends, we see those situations in our churches today. We see the person who comes in and says, I'm going to live like I want, I'm going to do the things I want to do, I don't care what the Bible says, I don't care what you say. That should make us sad. Instead, Instead, what happens a lot of times is either we carry the attitude of, "Nah, who cares, that pride attitude of, well, I'm all right, it'll all work out, so I'm not going to get into their business. Or we take it too far and we pound them on the head. We do that judgmental attitude. We don't see that as much, but friends, I've been in those churches. I've seen those places where it is the church is more like a courtroom than it is anything else. Like, we're making sure you don't dare step out of line. This is not a passage that said the church member, the follower of Christ, never gets to sin or mess up because we know we do. We don't want to do it, but we know we fall short. It's not saying that we're going to start a church church court case around here that as soon as one of you messes up or you're out of here that's not the type of attitude this, these verses are calling us to they were saying deal with this person who's claiming to be part of the fellowship but doesn't look like they are because they're doing this ugly thing unrepentant might as well go and kick him out because it'd be better if he's out there just living those things and reaping the consequences of them And then maybe he'll turn his life around and deal with the heart issue. Then keep trying to stay inside the church and acting like everything's okay. I'm going to tell you, friends, this is tough. This is, as a pastor who's been in church all my adult life, being an overseer of the church, this is tough to know how to deal with this. To know how to walk the fine line of grace and grace. And discipline, yeah, there is even supposed to be discipline in the church. If there is somebody in the church who is refu- who's obviously sinning and, and refusing to repent, who's refusing to give in, the church is supposed to step in. But that's, I'm going to tell you, that's tough. That is something that is eats at me when we see those kind of issues. It's not easy to deal with, nor should it be. I don't want to have a casual attitude about problems inside the church. I don't want to come down as the huge judgmental head, Say, look, I know you're doing wrong. Time to get punished. Time to get kicked out. Nor do I want to say, it doesn't really matter what you do. You just do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. We're all fine. We don't want to have that attitude. What should attitude should I carry? Should you carry? A broken heart over one another's sin. And we should be encouragers of one another to say, hey, watch out. Remember David in the Old Testament. Remember the sin that he had of adultery and then murder? I mean, King David, one of the greats of the Bible, and just, I mean, a a father of faith for the nation. I mean, just something we look at all the time. Such a huge example, the guy who would cheat, who would, you know, take another man's wife and then have him killed. and I mean, just pretty ugly stuff, right? And he didn't want to recognize it. He didn't want to admit to it. What did it take? It took his friend. It took his friend to come to him and say, do you not realize what you have done? I mean, he he kind of called him out on it. Lovingly, as a brother, says, You have sinned. And that's what got his attention. Friends, what this passage is trying to show is that we need to have the attitude. Well, one, we're heartbroken over one another's sins. We're not casual about it, we're not judgmental over it, but we're heartbroken. But we, as a church, one of the reasons we should come together as a church is you should have the right to go to that brother or sister, that friend who sits next to you, and say, "In love, I got to talk to you about something. I got to tell you something." If John came to me over here and said, "Greg, I'm seeing something in you, and I'm I'm i got to tell you this," so he's my brother. We work together. We spend time together. I know he loves me. He's shown it by action, not just words. He could say something to me. I know he's not coming to judge me. He's coming to say, "Hey, I'm giving you a warning as a brother in Christ. Maybe something you're not seeing. You need to deal with this." And I'd, as painful as it be, I'd need to hear that, and I could do the same to him. And I could, with many of others of you here, it's the same situation. We should be able to go to one another and say, "Friend, I love you. I love you, but I'm seeing something. Let's go to God's word about this. Let's pray together about it. Not coming in a judgmental attitude, but friends, we're also so afraid." We're so afraid to go to someone else inside the church, just to go to another person inside the faith and say, I'm seeing a problem. I mean, honestly, think about this. When's the last time you were bold enough to do that? In a loving heart, not in a judgmental, not, but in a, my heart is broken for what I'm saying. I'm coming for your good. I'm coming to talk with you. I'm coming to pray with you. I'm coming to be with you. Here's something I see. When's the last time that happened? Now, I hope it hasn't happened has happen a lot, but if you're in the church, if you're a follower of Christ, it is going to happen some. It should happen some. That's what Paul was trying to get across to the church. He uses that example of the leaven, the yeast. Right? He's saying even a little bit of yeast will infect the whole thing. That the the yeast in the in the Bible was always representative of sin, of corruption. He said even a little bit causes the whole thing. It, it works throughout the whole dough. saying, friends, as a church, we have to be vigilant, not judgmental, not ready to kick people out of the first sign, but to deal with sin because it causes problems. A little bit of unchecked sin grows throughout the whole batch and causes problems. So that's, that's the internal problem that's going on with that church, but there's another part. Because I want you to see, here's what happens. It happened in this church. It can happen in this church. This church can happen in many other places. They were refusing to deal with sin. They had an obvious case of sin right form. them. They were saying, who cares? They weren't dealing with it. So what were they doing instead? Paul alludes to it. It's a whole lot easier to judge those on the outside. You know what the Bible's telling us here? We should be tougher on our own brothers and sisters than we should be on the people on the outside of the church. And that's true, friends. That doesn't mean that we stop calling sin, sin. But sometimes we are such at a rush to say, look at that person's lifestyle. They never show up to church. They curse the name of Jesus. They are obviously living apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're a sinner. They do these things. Oh, what they're doing is so ugly, so terrible, so... We're so ready to judge those on the outside that we're not even thinking about how to help one another on the inside of the church. Paul's telling that church, he's telling us, is that let God be the judge of those who aren't inside the church. If they're going to live like that and they're going to reject Christ and they're going to live how they want to live, that is God's business to judge them. And in fact, he was saying, "You still have to live in the world," and he tells us we still need to be associating with people, even if their lifestyle is apart from the church. How else are we going They gonna see from us what it's supposed to be like. Paul's given us example. If there is a, a person who's claiming to be in the church and living such thing, cut off contact with that person if need be. If it's going to hurt the church so much, but you can't cut off the other person. The other people who are openly living another way and have never even claimed to know the name of Jesus. Those are the people we're supposed to be with. The world today, especially where we live and the country we live, has a view that the church is a judgmental place. The people on the outside of the church have this thought, and I've heard it, you probably have too, this idea that the churches are filled with hypocritical, judgmental people. That we, we sin, which we do. And instead of looking at ourselves, we spend our time judging others. And friends, I'm getting tired of seeing the Christians on the TV and the ra- or the radio or Facebook or something like that just spouting hate against the people on the outside of the church. I wish some of those people would start spending a little more time looking on the inside of the church. There's a view that, that our churches today are filled with judgmental, hypocritical people. Not a good excuse to stay away from church. That's not what it means to come to God. But let me ask you this. Have we given them reason to believe it? Have you and I given others a reason to believe have given them evidence to go by, we don't care how we live, but we're sure going to judge how you live. That's what Paul's warned about. In fact, in this passage and in some upcoming, his point comes over and over and over again. The things you're letting happen inside of the church is not only hurting the church, it's not only killing your local church, it is killing your testimony to those other people. Friends, let me tell you, the Christian faith should be attractive. We don't have to work to try to make it cool or relevant in these times, or that's you know, or have the best program, or but the message of Jesus Christ should be attractive by the, what the people on the outside see and hear from the people on the inside. So that means we have to have our focus as being ones. Ready to first deal with one another. To go help one another, to encourage one another, to say the things that need to be said. And when we encounter someone that looks like, and it's probably obviously on the outside of the church, it's not that we immediately shun them or turn them away or say, I don't want to deal with you. It's the attitude of love we show to them, that we're willing to hear them and spend time with them and hear where their heart is, even if we disagree with them. God will do the judgment judgment of those on the outside. We could do some work on the inside. So, this morning I was really praying, how do we take this message home? I mean, it's important to hear, but how do we take it home? I don't want you to say, hmm, that was kind of interesting. You know, but just move on to my next thing. How do we take this home? Let me start it like this. I welcome... Any one of you, if you, first of all, if you have made a definite decision in your life to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you can say, I know that I'm saved, I did it, I believe that I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to follow him, I give every one of you invitation, serious with all, all honesty and seriously, to come to me, you have the full right to come and say, Greg, I see a problem. I don't want you to come just because you want to beat down on me. <laughs> But if, if you have a problem, maybe you see. Uh, start with me. Come on, and I can promise you this: if you're in, if you're my brother and sister in Christ, and you come and bring something up, I will I will never yell or argue with you. I will say, come on, let's pray together. Let's talk together. Let's talk this out. Let me hear your heart, because maybe we have an issue we need to deal with. I invite you. To Come to me first. Come to the office. Come after church. Say, Greg, I just—it's kind of scary. Uh, I know I'm not good at saying things to other people, but I'm gonna say, here's something. You're my brother and sister. I want to hear it. Come on. I want to invite you to start that right here. It's not a gripe session. It's not, hey, let's find, uh, look for complaints when you come. But if something's on your heart, come on. I'll be—I'll—I'll I'll be the first to take it. Happily. What if we start being encouragers for one another? What if maybe this morning you take a different step and you go grab that friend, that brother or sister in Christ and say, you know what? I am struggling in this. I'm, I'm looking at a, I'm judging what other people do, but I'm not dealing with my sin, my issue. I need some help. Just being admitted to another person and say, I need you to be an accountability partner to me. I give you permission to, if I'm walking off track, you can say it to me. Say it right to my face. Tell that person. Let's be a church that doesn't think it's perfect, but is willing to help each other get as close as possible. Not with an attitude of judgment on those outside, but ready to go be in the world, but not of the world. But first dealing with one another. How this morning can you be a blessing Be a helper to a brother or sister in Christ in this place. Ask that simple question to yourself and of God. How can I be a helper? One who blesses my brother or sister in Christ. Then do it. Some of you this morning may need to come on the inside of the church. Meaning, I'm not talking that you've walked in the building. I'm talking you still haven't dealt with Jesus. You're having the heart and attitude of it all work out. Who cares? It's going to be okay. God wouldn't ever let something bad happen. Whatever happens, in I'll be good. That's a prideful attitude. I don't. I'm not trying to be ugly by telling you it, but that is. You have the attitude of saying, "I've sinned. Sin separates from me from God. The only way back is acceptance of the Son, the Savior, Jesus Christ, giving my life to Him." Maybe it's time to come on the inside. Stop pretending. Stop acting. Come on into a place of a bunch of other people who are sick, needy, who are struggling to get it right, but will be encouragement to you, a blessing to you, when we strive to be better together. The way we deal with hypocrisy, which is where we started all these things this morning, to handle the hypocrisy people think of us, sometimes it's justified is start being the church to one another, being a blessing to another person. Don't leave today till you know how you're going to be a blessing to someone else. Let's go for the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious Father, we come to you. We thank you that you've given us this time and this opportunity. God, forgive us from the ways which we have lived it may have given the impression on the outside to other people, to people who are not uh, not in Christ, that we are judgmental or hypocritical. God, forgive us those ways. God, give us, help us mourn and grieve over those sins that we have allowed inside our own lives, inside our church. Sins that we have said it's not a big deal. Things that we have brought in and said it's okay. They'll just be taken care of. God, and we were in this situation about a sin that became very public. Even if we're walking this morning, and it's a, not a public sin yet, but it's a very private, but we're still trying to have the attitude of, it doesn't really matter. It's not hurting anybody else. I'm going to do these things. God, show us the foolishness and the pridefulness of that type of attitude. Don't let us get away with that kind of heart that just says, it'll all work out. It's no big deal. My sins won't catch up with me. God, Give us grief and mourning over those sins that we have allowed in. God, help us as people on the inside of the church be looking for opportunities to be a blessing and a helper and an encourager to someone else, to another brother or sister who is struggling. Not going with other saying, I'm here to tell you something you've done wrong and beat you down and, and hurt you. But come with a loving heart of just saying, I want to help you. Here's something I see. God, help give us the attitude of being able to graciously receive those comments. Some of us are so afraid to say something to someone else because we've been snapped at and we've been yelled at because we try to say something helpful. God, give us hearts that if someone else will come to one of us, any one of us, and say, I'm seeing an issue, that we would have enough grace given by you to say, let's talk about it. Let me actually pray about this and see what's going on that we would not get angry, where you would not get prideful. Let us be a place, let's be a church who's looking to help one another in all of our times of need. God, I pray for the person this morning who's not on the inside of the church. The person who acts, acts like they're part of the body of Christ. God, it's not for me to judge who that is. God, you know the heart, you are the true judge. But there may be a person here this morning that says, I've been acting the part. Now, yeah, they're seeing the signs this morning that there has been no true remorse or repent, desire for repentance from sin. That pride has been there. That all those signs of, I'm just putting on a show, even if nobody else sees it, they see it. God, don't let somebody walk in here be deceived thinking they've come into church enough times they've dealt with their salvation. Don't let them have the pride heart to say, it doesn't matter. What, what I do to all work out in the end. God, help them realize today, today is the moment that they got to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I receive Him as my Savior. It's this moment, the moment you've given us now to make that decision. God, I pray for the person who needs on the outside, who needs to stop fooling themselves and come on the inside and experience this life or the body of Christ together. God, I just I just pray right now that you just help us be the church, the real church, the true church. I pray you help make us healthier by how we treat one another and how we seek to grow. I help you I pray that you help us actually grow. God, we want to be attractive. The 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 Christian faith that we're living out. We want it to be attractive to those who who are without hope right now. I want them to see not just by our words, but by our actions that that a person says, I want that too. That the message of Jesus Christ is being lived out in us, and that draws people. Help us be those things, yeah. We love you, we thank you, we pray all this by the powerful name of Of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.